Good morning. My name is Jemal Thompson, and I will be speaking today on our uh, final uh, core value that we've been talking about, uh, cultivating spiritual growth continuously. I'm an elder on session right now, uh, but I realize I might be unfamiliar to some of you. Um, It's been a long year and a half dealing with COVID, and I'm in fact your first digital elder. I was appointed via Zoom meeting in January. And the plan for the upcoming uh, appointment is that we'll be back in person. So I may go down in history as our church's only digital elder. Um, But uh, I realize I'm unfamiliar to you, and so I thought I'd just give a few things. I'm a lawyer during the week, but I actually love numbers. All my hobbies are number-based. I love games. uh, And so I just would give you some of my my key numbers. Uh, I am 45 years old. I have been married for 23 years. Uh, my wife and I have three children who are 19, uh, 17, and 13. And actually, next week, this week upcoming, I'll be celebrating the 30th anniversary of when I became a Christian. I did not grow up a Christian. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old through the Young Life ministry of my local high school. Which means that next month... August 2021 will be the 30-year anniversary of the last time I swore at somebody. I, I actually remember it was a, a youth group basketball night. Uh, I was playing basketball, and the person covering me was just fouling me. You know, it was, it was, it was awful, and I was just getting angrier and angrier and angrier, and I pushed him off, and I turned, and I shouted. I'm like, get off my back, and I added some other words to that, um, that, were, that were awful, and I stormed out of the gym. I walked home. It's about three miles from my house, uh, from the church to my house. Um, but somewhere either that night or in the week that followed, uh, it just became determined in my life that I didn't want to swear at people anymore. It's just not what a Christian should do. And so I stopped. And in prep- preparing, I was trying to think, like, has it really been 30 years? I'm trying to think of a time that I sweared either at someone or in referring to somebody, and I couldn't think of it. And I share this story because it's one of the first times, maybe the first time I ever grew spiritually. I began that night, that basketball night, doing things people's way. If you're hurt, if you're angry, you just go ahead and retaliate. You lash out. You use the language that you feel is appropriate to let that person know how you feel. And a few weeks later, after God's work, now I know. There's some things you just don't say, no matter how you feel. Um, Speaking of growth, uh, Paul gave us a verse, 1 Corinthians 3. There it is. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. Growth ultimately belongs to God. My story shows that. I, you know, no one like sat down. They didn't hatch a plan in youth group. We need to stop this kid from swearing. Um, it was just the Lord's work. It was time. Um, so ultimately, God owns the growth, but it is, we do have a role. Paul had a role to plant. Apollos had a role to, to, to water. That's an illustration, of course, but there is um, truth to it that we have a role in cultivating and bringing about spiritual growth, uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into the verses, uh, let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, the opportunity to hear your word, uh, the opportunity to think about your ways and having your ways replace our ways, having our thinking replaced with your thinking and become 
who you want us to be and do the things you want us to do in the way you want us to do them. God, this is bigger than all of us. These are hard things to do, hard things to understand. And I pray that you would help me to be up to the task and go above and beyond in your spirit, whatever I can do to help reach the people listening uh, here in the sanctuary at home to hear your words, to hear what you have for them and be changed by it. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we have our spiritual growth, um, sorry, we have our core values. Uh, there are five of them. You've heard them. Shannon loves them. He's listening somewhere. Uh, so let's say them one last time all together. Uh, following the Lord Jesus, we strive to love all people unconditionally, serve our neighbors generously, advance God's purposes globally, pour into the next generation intentionally, and cultivate spiritual growth continuously. Awesome. And we have, no, we have, you may have noticed in the e-news or other uh, messages that have gone out now, icons uh, for each of the values. And the icon for spiritual growth is a little plant that needs to grow. And that's great. It's appropriate. The Bible uses plant growth maybe more than any other illustration to talk about how things grow. But that's not the illustration we're going to look at today. Uh, instead, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual milk. Um, it's, a, it's an illustration used just a few times, and I want to look at one in particular, uh, which is found in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. Peter begins, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter says a lot in here, um, and I wanted to pull out, talk about just uh, three things about maturity, about the process of growing in maturity and growing from this verse. Uh, and the first is that maturity follows salvation. Salvation is something that everyone uh, needs from their sins. And in fact, 1 Peter chapter 1 is all about salvation. He talks about the need to be saved. He talks about salvation. He uses the phrase born again several times, uh, which you know, we associate with becoming a Christian. He then goes into chapter 2 and he says, therefore, we're moving on now. Beyond just being saved, there are things that God wants to do in your life. Uh, maturity follows salvation. The second is that there appear to be levels of spiritual nourishment, a process that you begin with that which is simple, that you can receive passively, maybe that someone else does for you. When you talk about spiritual milk, you think about what does a mother do? She takes the food that a baby is unprepared for, incapable of breaking down itself. She does the hard work of, of digesting it, converts it into an easy-to-digest nourishment, which can be provided to a baby so passively, sometimes they fall asleep while eating it. That's where it starts. But Peter says, craves pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up into maturity. You don't stop at spiritual milk. In fact, 
some of you, you might know uh, the other passages on spiritual milk well, and you have like alarm bells going off saying, wait, those verses are really harsh. <laughs> and, and when Paul talks about spiritual milk, and when the authors of Hebrews talk about spiritual milk, they're really harsh. And they're like, you need to move past spiritual milk. Yes, they are more harsh, but they were speaking to people at a different point in time of their spiritual journey. Peter would agree with him. Peter says, crave spiritual milk so you'll grow up. And then Paul would later write, or Paul in another letter would say, by this point, you should be beyond spiritual milk. Hebrews, by this point, you should be teaching others. So they all do go together. You have spiritual milk, you start with that which is simple, and then God takes you higher. Um, And then the last point from Peter uh, is that mere human thinking or the human way of doing things or human quarrels are a sign of immaturity. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Uh, In Paul's passage in 1 Corinthians, he talks about they were so into, I follow a Paul, I follow Apollos. They needed people to follow. They were in arguments and conflict with each other over who was the more spiritual leader. When you see in your own life and in the lives of others quarreling, slander, malice, anger, envy, hypocrisy, this is a sign of immaturity. Some things are easy to learn. You know, I, I told a story, I stopped swearing in a minute or a day or a week. It was really easy to see, really easy to change. Um, some things are not so easy to see and not so easy to change, and they are very hard spiritual food to digest. You really got to crunch on them. And I wanted to spend some time this morning looking at uh, an, an, an episode from Peter's life when God gave him something very difficult to digest, something very difficult for Peter to do and understand, um, but that he did eventually understand it. Um, and we're going to look in, in Acts, but before that, I'll give a little bit of the history of how we got here. So in Acts, Jesus rises into, into heaven. The disciples pray for 40 days, give a short sermon. Thousands of people are saved, but nearly all of them, maybe all of them, came from devout Jewish people who were looking for the Messiah, waiting for the Messiah. Then Jesus arrives, and they're like, look, he was the Messiah. Um, And the church continued in that way for a a while, just bringing in uh, devout Jewish people, Jewish people, maybe wayward Jewish people, uh, who uh, wanted to know about Jesus. But then the question came up in the church, well, what what about Gentiles? Are non-Jewish people saved through Jesus Christ? And there was a a Gentile man, a non-Jewish man named Cornelius. He was a uh, centurion in the Italian army or Roman army. Um, And he was actually a good man. He gave alms to the poor. He prayed. He was good to his servants. And he was praying one day and he had a vision of or a message from God telling him, um, go find Peter. There's this man, Simon Peter, go find him. He's staying in the house of another Simon, don't get confused. Uh, And have Peter brought to you, he'll have a message for you. And so Cornelius heard this message. He grabbed his servants that he trusted. He sent them to go find Peter and bring him back. And so that's where our story picks up. Uh, In Acts 10, um, these men are coming for, uh, to get Peter. So about noon... The following day, as he was, as they, that is those servants, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. 
And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds, which were not okay for Jewish people to eat. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. So you may have heard the idea of a, a mountaintop experience. People want to have a, a mountaintop experience. So Peter here has the first maybe rooftop experience uh, with, with God. Um, and he, God speaks to him. God, Peter did not know this, was about to change the entire direction of the church. He was about to open the gates for non-Jewish people to be saved through the message and the good news of Jesus Christ. Peter didn't know that, um, but that's what God wanted to do. And I wanted to look at just three things about Peter's situation that uh, we can maybe take and apply to our own life when we are trying to break through, chew through the difficult truth that God might give us. And they are, oh, sorry. So maturity follows salvation. Peter was saved. We know that. He, he was already raising the dead by this point. Um, but there are levels of spiritual nourishment. So even someone like Peter, uh, who uh, had done all these great things, still had to grow. Okay, now the next slide. Here we go. Peter was in prayer when the truth came. I've heard Peter criticized a lot in the 30 years I've been a Christian. I've heard him called the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. I've heard it said that, you know, he, you know, he denied the Lord three times. He got out in the water and then he sank. You know, uh, he made a lot of mistakes. But, oh, was he a man of prayer. And he was in prayer when the truth came. And this wasn't a special time of prayer. It was just noon. He, wasn't, he hadn't come from a meeting of the elders of the church saying, what do we do about this Gentile question? How do we solve this? He's just praying, as he did multiple times a day. And in the middle of this one prayer, God reached him and did something extraordinary and something special. But it began with a normal habit of prayer. He appears to be praying while he's waiting for food to come. Like, he's like, how long until lunch? All right, I'm just going to go pray a little bit. And I was thinking about this yes, yes, yesterday or two days ago. I was like, um, I was making something in the microwave. And I was like, oh, I got three minutes. What should I do? And I was like, I could pray. I could pray with these three minutes. Um, if we want to grow spiritually, we have to ask the question, how is our prayer? Uh, I have searched my life uh, in, in, or many of the stories of my life, great change in my life. Uh, in preparation for this sermon, and I got to tell you, they all came from times of extended prayer, not like eight hours of prayer, but I mean day after day after day after day, sometimes trying to solve very specific problems in my life, and sometimes when I was just devoted to prayer and God decided, now is the time to have a breakthrough. Um, it's just how it works. Second thing, this was really hard for Peter. This was really hard for Peter. Peter, notice the voice says, get up, Peter, kill, eat. And he says, no, Lord. 
Peter knew who he was talking to. Peter knew this was a conversation with God, and he still couldn't do it. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe we can do a show of hands. If you've ever thought, man, life would be easier if the heavens would just open, the clouds would part, I'd have a vision, I'd hear God's voice, and then I'd know what to do. I have thought this. Apparently, that's not true. <laughs> Peter had all of that, and he still didn't get it. It was still too hard. The vision happened three times, and it said at the end, he puzzled over what it might mean. This wasn't easy for Peter. All his life, he lived a good Jewish boy who became a good Jewish man who doesn't eat this kind of food. And that was so deep that a direct revelation from God, repeated three times, still didn't have him there. There are things in our life that just go deep. We have learned them through years and years of practice. Some of them we are consciously aware of. Some of them are subconscious. Uh, when God comes to change them, it might take some time. I don't know if it's God's faithfulness or Peter's stick-withedness that Peter, like, he didn't, like, have the vision once and, like, storm off the rooftop. Maybe that was never an option. Maybe God had him in for the long haul. But he stuck with it. He chewed on it. He was there for the three times. God saw him through it. Um, but then, even when he left the, the rooftop, he didn't actually know what to do yet, which leads to the third thing, that Peter's obedience actually preceded complete understanding. So picking back up the story, he came downstairs, he met these men from Cornelius. Um, the Holy Spirit told him, go with these men from Cornelius. So he went with these men. He went to Cornelius' house. He went into the house, which he noted was an inappropriate thing for a Jewish man to do. Cornelius was not a Jewish man. This was an unclean house. But he went in. He shared the good news. Cornelius' whole household believed. The Holy Spirit descended on them. The first time in history the Holy Spirit descended upon Gentiles. And in the midst of that, Peter said this in Acts 10, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Now he got it. After he did it. We can stifle our growth if we insist that God explain everything ahead of time. Now, I'm not suggesting you do any little thing that comes into your head. Remember, Peter was deep in prayer. Peter knew the scriptures. Peter was hearing from the Holy Spirit. But he didn't have every piece when he started obeying. He just went out and did it. He's like, God's saying to do this. I will do it. And as he did it, it began to make sense. Peter then had to go and defend this decision to the um, members of the church who believed that, no, Gentiles were not fit, or uh, they called them the party of, of the circumcision, who we will come back to. Um, and he just he told the story. God, God said to do it, and I went and did it. And then the Holy Spirit came down. Look at the evidence of what God did when I obeyed him. Um, and so sometimes you're, you may be called to obey before you fully understand. God actually did this for me. Um, a, a story, when I was in sophomore in college, I had a roommate, and we did not get along at all, mostly because I was awful. He's an awful roommate. I was rude. I was inconsiderate. Uh, I was a mess. My mess was everywhere. One night in particular, you know that time of year when, like, it's not quite hot, not quite cold, and so you have to, like, get, like, the window just so, so you're comfortable? Well, my roommate and I did not have the same internal temperature. So, so he would close the window and get in bed, and then I would get out of bed and crack it open and get back in bed. And then he would get out of bed and close it. And then I would get out of bed and crack it open. This is true. I was awful. 
inconsiderate. Um, but that winter, my sophomore year, I went to a conference, and I was hearing these, all these speakers talk about what God wanted to do in our life, the great things that God had for us. And I, on the last night, I sat down with a friend of mine, and I'm like, I hear all these things, but I don't really care. I don't want to do them. And he, he shared with me, he's like, that's because, you know, these things that God has for us to do, they come from love. And he's like, i got to be honest with you, you're about you. You're a selfish person. You don't think about other people. And the gospel's for other people. And I was crushed. I went to bed crushed. <laughs> I woke up depressed. And then I had a four-hour wait in the airport to fly home from the conference. And I was like, okay, love people. i got to love people. All right, maybe the Bible has something on this that I can find. I, I don't know where to read. I was doing a, a, like a Bible reading plan. I had fallen behind. So I'm, like, I'm just going to pick up where I left off. Wherever that is, I'm just going to start reading. We'll see what God has. And I cracked open my Bible, Deuteronomy 6. The second recitation of God's law. <laughs> and I was like, this can't be right. <laughs> but I, started, I cracked it open. I started to read. I read all the way to Deuteronomy 29 that day. It's a four-hour wait, and I was just started underlining every little thing about how to love people. I learned that day, God's law, actually all about loving people, how to treat people, how to think about others, how to look out for people. And in the midst of that, I read Deuteronomy 19, which says, do not move your neighbor's boundary line. And I thought about my roommate, and I thought about our room, the mess. And I went back, second semester, and I moved my mess onto my half of the room. I did not clean my half of the room. <laughs> I moved my mess to my side of the room. I respected my neighbor's boundary line. I must have done other things because a couple weeks into the semester, my roommate asked, like, are you trying to be nicer? <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I didn't feel nicer. I was a little surprised, but it's like, um, but I told him the story. Um, and in fact, all through first semester, I, I knew he had grown up in the church. I didn't know how committed he was. I had been inviting him to church. He had always turned me down. Uh, who would want to go to your awful roommate's church? But I told him this story, and he, he, he heard it, and he's like, that's really good. No, you're different. And then he paused, and he's like, you know, my problem's fellowship. I'm just not committed to, to being in, in the church with people. And to sort of skip over a lot of things. He ended up joining our church, joining a Bible study. He'd been baptized as an infant, but not as an adult. He got baptized that year. Um, at his baptism, he actually thanked me for being a part of his life. Um, and I was changed, and he was changed because of some very simple obedience to verses that I didn't fully grasp when I started. I didn't know where it was going to go, but God gave me a little something Grabbed it, I took it, I used it, and then God blew it up. And we all lived happily ever after. <laughs> but that's not true. Because one of the difficulties of spiritual growth versus human growth, body growth, is we can lose it. You know, we can have it taken away, we can forfeit it, like, you know, Greedy people on the day after Christmas, like, this isn't the gift I wanted. I'm going to take it back for another one. And it hap it's happened to me many times, and it, it actually happened to Peter. And so one last story 
uh, from Peter's life uh, about when he lost it and, and, and what happened and, and maybe how we can come back when we lose it. Um, so I think, I hope the next verse is Galatians. There we go. So Paul is describing an event that happened. So again, jumping a little bit forward in church history, it was now accepted, okay, cool, great. Non-Jewish people can become Christians. We're good. But devout Jews in the church thought, but they should follow the Jewish laws once they become Christian. Right, that's only right because this, we've had God's ways for hundreds of years. We've had the scriptures. We've done it this way, so they should follow God's law. It came down a lot of times to two things, circumcision and then the diet. What food could you eat? Shannon preached on that about uh, six weeks ago. Um, and so in Galatians, Paul is telling a story uh, of something that happened in Antioch and a confrontation he had with Peter. So go ahead on uh, Galatians 2. When Cephas, that is Peter, came to Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his, his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Oh, Peter... What happened? This is years on. He knew what to do. He had obeyed it. He had seen God confirm it. He had defended it before the Jewish leaders. But here he is, back at the same struggle. I've been working on this sermon for a few weeks. And at this point in the sermon, for the, until yesterday... At this point, I was going to hammer that the issue was the men from James who showed up and pushed, you know, peer pressured Peter into doing things the wrong way. And I was going over the verses yesterday, and I saw something a little different. It was the men from James. The men from James were the, the inciting event, if you like your drama. They were the catalyst. They were what kicked it off, but they weren't the problem. Paul was also a devout Jewish man who had grown up following everything, doing everything the right way. The men from James didn't affect Paul. Paul stayed strong. What happened to Peter? It says it right there. He was afraid of what people would think about him. There's always going to be men from James, so to speak, who will come and try to take from us what God has told us to do. That's not the problem. I wish, you know, we pray often, you know, that, that life would, God would make our lives easier, that I could just pray like the people at work that bother me or the financial stress or whatever it is would just get better. God's offer instead is he'll make us better, not afraid. Paul was not afraid of the men from James, and Peter was. And, and I want you to think about here this morning in life groups, in the weeks and however long ahead, what are you, what are you afraid of? You know, we, we've had these great uh, sermons uh, from guests over the last four weeks on serving generously, loving without condition, taking God's message wherever it goes, 
pouring your lives out? Are we held back by fear that if we serve at that level and give at that level and pour ourselves out, there'll be nothing left for us? Fear can just wreck your maturity. Even someone as strong or as mature, as far along as Peter, could just be, you know, nosedived in apparently a moment. And there were consequences for that. Sin has consequence. Look at, look at, look at, or, or think about Peter, you know, the, the Jews started to, the other people started to, to shave off, even Barnabas. Barnabas uh, was actually the man who, when Paul had first been saved, had gone and found Paul and brought him to the church and said, we need to believe in what, that God has changed Paul. That was Barnabas. And even Barnabas was led astray because Peter had been given Influence. He had been given authority, and when he misused it, it led others. Our sins, our disobedience, our immaturity, they, they hurt people. And one thing we can do to protect ourselves right here in this story is we need to, um, when we are dealing with difficult truths, uh, we need others to remind us of them. And we need to remind others of them gently. <laughs> um, I've always pictured the story that P- Peter like stood up and shouted in 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 the room, but I don't actually see that looking back at it. He might have been very cautious, like, if you, Peter, though, would you, you know, like, he could have been really calm about it and gentle. I think he was, um, but this was a hard truth, and Peter needed to be reminded of it. Uh, there's a verse, maybe familiar to some, Proverbs 25, 12. Like an earring of gold uh, or an ornament of gold uh, is a rebuke. Oh, fine gold is a rebuke of the wise to a listening ear. Rebuke of the wise, listening ear. In community, we can protect ourselves from the, the fear of the men from James, whatever that might be. We can remind ourselves, help one another. Sometimes we need to be the listening ear, as I was that night, you know, 25 years ago. Sometimes we need to give that wise counsel, that wise rebuke um, in prayer full of the word, Um, but it it, it will help us. Um, All right, what do we do now? What does God want you to grow in? Two thoughts, and then we're done. Um, What does God want you to grow in? Well, maybe you have something in mind, but if you don't, I would recommend growing in what God has been teaching me to grow in for really all these 30 years, uh, which is compassion. Just Grow in caring about other people. I think about that guy, that basketball player 30 years ago. Uh, and, and when I look back, I see the situation for what it really was, which is he wasn't very good. That's why he was fouling me. I was bigger than him and faster than him, and he was just doing what he could to keep up. You know? And I could have had compassion. I could have stepped out. I could have just realized here was, here was someone having a hard time. Instead, I retaliated. My roommate, it's very clear, I I lacked compassion. I didn't see his life. Uh, Paul gave us this verse in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's really simple. It's actually really hard. (laughs) It's very hard, and it will take your whole life to continue to improve on it. Um, 
But the last thing I wanted to say in, in terms of what maybe God has for you to grow in is just to, to think back over the four weeks that preceded this one, over our new core values. They are the result of a lot of thought and a lot of prayer. Shannon preached on them in January, February, March. Go back and listen to those. Listen to these sermons again and think about, think about things that bothered you, that challenged you, that were difficult, you know, uh, from our guests. You hear that and it's like, that can't be right. That can't be God. Figure that out. There are answers right here, answers in the book, answers in prayer, answers among one another about what God really wants us to do. Um, but this is hard stuff. And I don't actually know. We don't know what Peter did after Paul rebuked him. Peter, Paul just kind of moves on in the story. But we do know Peter's last words about Paul. And that's the last verse I wanted to look at uh, in Second Peter. Uh, Peter, talking about Paul, says, As our dear brother Paul has also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. First of all, Peter, so humble. Peter, who declared that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter, who was there uh, at the transfiguration. Peter, who was there on Pentecost, saying to people, you want to really understand what God is doing? Listen to Paul. Peter, recognizing that Paul's wisdom was, was with the Scriptures. Peter, realizing that there was an end to what he was supposed to do and another level that God wanted to take people through, through the ministry of Paul. But when Peter said it was hard to understand, what Paul was laying down, he spoke from personal experience. It was hard for Peter to keep up with the things that God had been, was revealing to the early church. It was hard for Paul. You know, we could, we could have done a whole sermon about Paul as well. And all the things, all the difficulty that Paul had in accepting what, Peter, uh, what God had for him. This is hard stuff. Whatever it is in our lives, compassion is hard. Crossing boundaries is hard. Serving, it's all hard. If it's not hard, we might be stuck on spiritual milk. It should be hard to get what God has for us. That's where he wants us to go. Uh, but together, we can, we can move that way. Um, and so that's what I wanted to say this morning. Um, I really appreciate the chance to be up here. I'm sorry, I did go just a few minutes past. Um, but I really appreciate it. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, hopefully there's just one little thing that can, God can take and propel you on to whatever he has uh, next for you. Let's pray. Um, God, thank you for this morning and just for your words, for, for my own story and the little things you've done for Peter and Paul's story and the massive things that you did. Our lives will fall somewhere in there, you know. Um, and I pray that we would be... Uh, committed, committed to chewing on, working on the hard truths that you have for us, not looking to others to make it easy, but engaged with you that we might be changed and that the world might be blessed by that change, that you would get glory in ways large and small. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
coffee and donuts are back. <laughs> Here? Yes, in, back in the patio. Uh, please uh, stick around, talk if you're comfortable. Of course, this is, uh, these are difficult times, and not everyone is ready for the same thing at the same time. But we would love to see you more, talk to you more, um, and enjoy that. If not, to those at home, wherever you are, uh, please enjoy the holiday weekend. Please find time to pray with God. <laughs> he wants to do so much in your life. Um, let me... Let me um, let me just uh, uh, pray. God, just please uh, bless us with your presence, bless us with understanding you, um, bless us with joy and peace and, and love and contentment that comes from you. Um, and yeah, that's it. In his name, amen. amen. <laughs>